Our guest today is Joe Marino. He's the host of Locked On Bills. He's also co-host of the Draft Dudes podcast. You can find more of his draft work at thedraftnetwork.com. I think we've got to talk a little bit of draft if we have Joe on the show. You can also find him on Twitter at the Joe Marino. Joe, how are you, man? Thank you for coming on the podcast today. Brian, Matt, thanks for having me. Looking forward to uh, catching up with whatever you want to toss my way today. It should be a good discussion. Oh, good. Okay. We're like going to throw fast, fastballs at you for about 15 minutes. Then I'm going to throw you a, a hard knuckle curve and we'll see how you <laughs> handle it. Swinging a whiff. <laughs> uh, right, let's start Bills. Let's start Buffalo Bills. And I, I think the main thing with this team and that a lot of fans uh, and it starts with the quarterback and Josh Allen has been a pretty... I mean, th- there's people that really hated Josh Allen in the draft, and they were like, I would not touch this player, let alone in the top 10 of the draft. I wouldn't even draft him in the first round at all. Maybe in the second round, I'll draft him just because he's got this athleticism and arm talent. And there was other people who was like, give me these raw tools, and we will work on him. His rookie year, not amazing. I think a lot of people don't realize that he has progressed, though, since that super raw player we saw out of Wyoming. And he's a guy that a lot of my friends really were rooting for because he came from the Central Valley area. I grew up in a town called Visalia, California. He's from, I believe, Fireball, which is not far away. It's in the Fresno area, for those of you who don't uh, know much about what's going on in the Central California, the vastness of Central California. So there's a lot of folks where I'm from that are rooting for Josh. Fireball? A uh, fireball, yeah, B A U H. If I'm not, am I correct, I like Joe? Him even more now, Joe. Am I right about that? Fireball, California. Fireball, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. His yeah. his parents were cantaloupe farmers there in, yes. in Fireball. Wow. A lot of great produce coming out of the Central Valley of California. So, where is Josh Allen and his development curve? Are, are you impressed with what you've seen the last uh, couple of years since he joined the Buffalo Bills early in the 2018 draft? I think there's a lot to be encouraged with when it comes to Josh Allen and his development and something that I've done recently that I think has been really helpful for me to appreciate where he's come is I went back and watched him play at Wyoming and and saw the player that struggled. I mean, he struggled in college. There's no, there's no way you can, you could say anything other than that. He, he, he was a quarterback that you watch and the physical ability was very easy to identify, but, uh, the consistency, the accuracy, the decision making um, were all all poor, all poor traits. And when you think about the top or, or the most important traits to to quarterbacking in the NFL outside of, I think, leadership, it's it's uh, accuracy and decision making. And those are two areas that Josh really struggled with at Wyoming. And they're quite honestly two traits that not a lot of players are able to overcome once they get to the NFL. And I completely understand anyone who was out on Josh Allen and said, he's not for me. That's too much of a project. Somebody else can take that uh, chance and, and live with the results. And we'll live with the results of not dealing with him. You know, I, I certainly can understand that because not only did he struggle against the Mountain West competition when he faced uh, Iowa or Nebraska or a power five team. I mean, you want to talk about real struggles that those were legit, but um, he's come to a good situation in Buffalo. You know, Sean McDermott's built a hell of a culture and a hell of a locker room for him to step into and um, and, and develop. Uh, he's had the same offensive coordinator now going into his third season. Uh, they've really done a good job building the offense around him and giving him his best opportunity to succeed. And I think when you think about the player we watched at Wyoming, and you think about the player we saw in the first half of his rookie season before he had the elbow injury, to the player that we saw in the second half of his rookie season, to the player that we saw in the first five games of 2019, and then the player that we saw – the last three quarters of 2019, I think there's been notable growth at each point, and that's what gives me a lot of hope 
about Josh Allen moving forward is that he's given plenty of evidence that he can continue to get better. And so because of that, it inspires a lot of hope that he's continuing to ascend and that he's not anywhere near plateauing. And the player that we saw last year isn't as good as Josh Allen will ever be. And so uh, one thing we know about Josh that's indisputable is that he's a heck of a leader and that he is completely won over that locker room uh, from the players to the coaches. They respect him a ton as a leader. And um, that that matters a ton, and um, you know they 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 all want to go to war with him, and and there's a something infectious about that guy, and, and the way he competes. Now he's got a he's got to find more balance between being aggressive and being reckless, and those types of things. He's got to get better with his deep ball. I think he's got to become a more efficient passer overall. But the growth has been notable. I mean, last year he had um, five game winning drives, four fourth quarter comebacks. And was in a lot of games the reason why the Bills had success. And so I think there's a lot to be encouraged about with him entering uh, year three with so much continuity around him, with the physical skill sets, with the growth that he's already demonstrated. Uh, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you he's not a finished product and that he has to get better. But I think there's a lot of reason to believe he can. Tons of good stuff there, Joe. And I didn't plan on going down this road, but you mentioned something and I'm sitting here thinking – what a good idea it is for these young quarterbacks. And this is more your your draft background than your Bills background. Maybe we should go watch their, you know, their draft tape, their their last year in college. I mean, someone like Dak Prescott's been in the league a couple years longer than Allen, but imagine if we went and watched his college tape right now. Like you wouldn't even recognize him. You know, like I think that's a really good exercise instead of just like digging graves for some of these quarterbacks. Maybe we should watch where they were, Dwayne Haskins, you know, a year or two ago, watch them now and say, okay, he's getting a lot better. There's still a ton to work with. This stuff doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, I, th- I, I think player development gets lost in a lot of things, you know, especially when, I mean, I saw a stat recently, Matt, and, and you probably know this better than me. It's about Ben Roethlisberger and his his rookie year. Uh, what did they win? How many games did they win? Was it 11? 15-1. 15 to one, but he didn't play them all, right? He won 13 games or something. Um, he came in very early in the season, but there was games that he threw like 11 passes. Well, it's, but here's what I want to say is like before Ben Roethlisberger and whatever year that was, the, the most wins ever by a rookie quarterback was like six or seven, you know, like <laughs> right. it, it, we've had so much, we've had so many quarterbacks find immediate success that we've sometimes get lost in the idea that that guys develop and they they need to they need time to do so and it's not all linear and it's not all instantaneous and even a guy like Patrick Mahomes we never saw his rookie season we have no idea what it looks like to see Patrick Mahomes struggle sure. through a rookie season with a bad supporting cast and a first year head coach right like that's even something Lamar played eight games but you know the first eight he was doing mm-hmm. wildcat stuff and you know brought along slow yeah, it's it's. I mean, these these situations that these quarterbacks go into are, they're all they're all very different, and and I think 2018 class is going to be a good example of that. You know, I think you look at Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold. Those three guys have had a lot of uh, turnover around them from coaches to personnel already, and and their young careers. And think about Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen who have had the same coaches and 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 a a supporting cast that's been built up around them, and and. You know, I, I think that plays into maybe why there's the most optimism right now about obviously Lamar, the reigning NFL MVP, and and Josh Allen, and maybe some 
some concern about where Sam Darnold's headed and the need for Baker Mayfield to be a lot better in 2019 after he regressed after a historically good rookie season. And then, of course, Josh Rosen, who, you know, it, it feels like we're sticking a fork in this guy after two seasons. I'm looking at Ben Roethlisberger's rookie year stats right now. I, I couldn't remember what year that was either. It was 2004. Uh, week two is the first time he got on there. He all season long, 15 and one. They lost the first game. He ripped off, yeah, 13 straight. He ripped off 13 straight. Yeah, so they crazy. lost the first two weeks of the year. He completed more than 20 passes one time all season long. So that's yeah, uh, a lot of handing off a lot of there. And like Allen, he made a lot of plays with his legs back then. You know, I mean, he wasn't the big lumbering guy he is now. He was an athlete, a big, strong, you know, shrug tacklers off Josh Allen type. Better passer, honestly. Though. Yeah, and but, I have that stat for you. Before Big Ben, and what year was it, Brian? You just said two thousand four. Before Ben in two thousand four, the most wins by a rookie season in NFL history was six. Wow. Yeah. Six. <laughs> he, he doubled it. He over doubled it. That's see, that's crazy. And there's more I want to get into about how this ties into how the Bills are building this thing in Buffalo. I want to talk about that young defense? Maybe a little twenty twenty one draft some names to know there with joe marino coming up folks i gotta admit i am not very handy i don't know a lot about cars i respect people that do and frankly i'm very envious because i mean the money you can save with a product like rockauto.com and being able to do things yourself and create the exact car you want is something that i would love i mean i'm i I just don't have that skill set to be honest with you and and rockauto.com is a family business They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for your auto and body parts needs from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to fall, you know, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, you get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. So go to rockauto.com now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear us box so they know that we sent you. That'll help us a great deal. It's an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Joe Marino here with us talking Buffalo Bills, and we just mentioned how. Big Ben was like one of the first to get in there, play a bunch as a rookie. He won a bunch of games as a rookie, which was unheard of then. Teams are not as patient as they used to be. And now it's happening more and more, and players are expected to jump in more often. And with the way contracts are, uh, you have to get a guy in there. And teams aren't, fans aren't, owners aren't. Uh, nobody is patient now And with the turnover. And we've seen teams draft a quarterback high, then go and fire the coaching staff that was coaching them. And so stability is a huge part of this, how the player is built and and wired and their makeup is such a big part of this. And just uh, as far as scouting goes, because you're so big in to the draft scouting community, how hard is that for you to be on the outside and you get a chance to talk to some of these prospects, but how a player is wired, the character, how hard they're going to work and what they're going to make themselves become in the NFL is probably the number one thing for any NFL draft prospect. How hard is that for you to evaluate? Well, you said a couple things there that want me to say a couple that inspire me to say go into a couple different areas. First of all, uh, I, I think when you when we we 
keep this about Josh Allen, you know, and you really dig into his story and you think about, you know, the reasons to believe that he was going to continue to work really hard and care a lot uh, was dating back to his recruiting process coming out of high school where, um, you know, he didn't have a whole lot of opportunities to play, you know, meaningful college football. He goes to a community college and plays well. And then he, he writes a letter to every single coach, head coach, offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator in college football and, uh, in, in, you know, FBS level college football and um, just introduces himself and wants a chance. He gets two opportunities like Eastern Washington and Wyoming. He goes to Wyoming and, um, you know, earns his way, becomes a top 10 pick. And, um, you know, you, you could just tell that it, it's a guy that meant a lot for him. He wanted to do everything he could to give him that opportunity to get where he is today. And, and, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, one thing that you said there about just, the, you know, the the play, roster construction and, and life cycles of teams. One thing that I really appreciate appreciate about what the Bills did, especially when you think about uh, their 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 time with Sean McDermott. They go nine and seven the first year that Sean McDermott's the head coach. They go to the playoffs for the first time in 17 years. But the Bills stayed committed to their process and their long-term forecast to get the team to the point where it is right now, where a lot of people think this is uh, a potentially a team that can win the AFC East this this year, which is be the first time since 1995. They go to the playoffs year one with Tyrod Taylor, and they stayed the course. They still continued to move bad contracts. They had over $50 million in dead money in in 2018, the first year after they go to the playoffs for the first time in, in, in 17 years. And they continue to to stay on course and not, oh, well, look, we might have something here. We got to nine wins and we backdoored into the playoffs. Let's try to build on this and and put Band-Aids over problems and see where it can go. The reason the Bills, and there's so much optimism about this football team, is because Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean stayed the course to their process of of getting this team built the way they wanted it and not try to you know continue to scrap together and piece together a team uh, that really, quite honestly, overachieved in 2017. And so... Um, I, I think that their mindset of, of building this and, and, and the time uh, that it takes, even even if, even after a step back, right nine and seven to six and ten to ten and six, uh, that uh, they stayed there true to their process, and, and I think that the the out the long term outlook for this football team is as good as it's ever been. Joe, I think that's a great point, and I often commend the Bills for building the house the right way. I mean, there's a foundation; it was not a quick fix. Let's slowly build this thing. And I promise you, if you would give everyone in that organization true serum, they didn't think they were making the playoffs that year. And no. they were smart, you know, they were smart no. enough to realize, hey, it's we don't need this one more player. We're not gonna go trade for Stefan Diggs that year and we'll go win the whole thing. We still need a lot. So I commend them for doing it that way. I have one other quarterback question for you, though, because Jake Fromm was my fifth favorite quarterback in this draft. And I don't love his skill set in the element of, of Buffalo or in the elements of Buffalo, but I look at him and think, okay, if you're not an Allen supporter, if he flops, this guy might be able to be a Chad Pennington type player for you as insurance. But more so, I'm curious your thoughts on it. I think they want him to be Frank Reich to Jim Kelly. Maybe so, Matt. It's an interesting He's draft pick. Yeah. It, well, look. It, it, when Brandon Beans even talked about the pick, he's he's often said, "I we didn't expect to to pick him, and they yeah, got him yeah. in the fifth round." Like I, I don't, I really believe him when they say, "Like we didn't go into the draft thinking we wanted to come away with Jake Fromm, but when he was available in the fifth round, we turned in the card and um, you got know, a third now round he's grade on him, and he's sitting right. there on top of your board or something like that." Right. Sure. 
Right, right. But I mean, you still think about some of the quarterbacks that went before him and maybe you're a little surprised. But uh, here's what's interesting is that uh, the Bills have never kept three quarterbacks under Sean McDermott since he became the coach in 2017. Uh, they, they did for a very short period of time when Josh Allen got hurt and then Derek Anderson got hurt and then they signed Matt Barkley. So they had to keep three because of injuries, but they even went into 2018 with only Nathan Peterman and Josh Allen as their quarterbacks. Like that was it on the roster. So this is not a team that's really shown a willingness to keep those three quarterbacks. And I say all that to say that I think they like Matt Barkley as the backup quarterback and, and not necessarily so much that if Matt Barkley had to play, you feel like, um, you know, things stay afloat at a high level, but what Matt Barkley means to Josh Allen, whenever yeah. uh, Josh Allen first became the starting quarterback for the bills. I mean, the only other guy on the roster was Nate Peterman. And of course, AJ McCarron, who was traded before the season and AJ McCarron wanted to be the starter. He didn't care about helping Josh Allen become a pro or learning the playbook. And that was a big reason why they said we got to trade this guy. And so Matt Barkley was really that first guy that came in was the veteran mentor to Josh Allen. And from a game plan perspective, from uh, being a voice on the sidelines, uh, all of that is something that I think this team really values in Matt Barkley. And so unless you're going to keep three quarterbacks, which they haven't done, I don't know that I think there's a clear path to the roster for Jake Fromm because I don't think he's going to unseat Matt Barkley as QB2 to Josh Allen. And so um, maybe the the new uh, – practice squad call-up rules and all of that will play into it and maybe the bills will be more willing to keep three quarterbacks uh more so than they have in the past but i think short of keeping three quarterbacks i don't think jake jake Fromm even makes a team well makes me think they, they have to keep three i mean there's two more roster spots i mean i know it's not their style but i'd be shocked if he isn't on the 55 maybe well, i'm not i don't know you might be right you know, it's when you couple the you think about okay, this team loves Matt Barkley as a backup quarterback. Yeah, he's not Brandon going. Bean's been very um wishy-washy about Jake Fromm. He's like, yeah, we you know, we didn't expect him to be there, you know, type thing. Like, I just don't know that I feel certain that he's a lock. I think that I mean there's a there's a chance, but will they keep three quarterbacks? I think that's his course. Joe, we have to talk about that Buffalo Bills defense. I want to talk maybe about running back usage, help out some of our fantasy footballers out there, and some names to know in the NFL draft. One name to know in the nutrition industry is Built Bar. Already a great deal at Built Bar for our listeners with the promo code locked on. But this week, an even better offer. Up to 50% off everything this week. 100% of profits. From 8 million bars going to organizations that support education, poverty, equality, and ending hate and racism. Go to BuiltBar.com to learn more about those charities and build your own box at BuiltBars.com. You buy one box of Built Bars, 15% off. Two boxes, 30%. Four more boxes get 50% off. So go to BuiltBar.com. Get up to 50% off a box of a protein bar. That tastes like a candy bar, high protein, low sugar, high fiber, 16 flavors. Build your own box of Built Bars at BuiltBar.com. You can use promo code Locked On when you're there, up to 50% off at BuiltBar.com. The offense, obviously, a big deal in Buffalo, and they made the trade for Stephon Diggs. But when you look at the draft classes from 2017 forward, and really beyond that, too, defense has been really the key aside from Josh Allen and they had a, two first rounders in 2018 Tremaine Edmonds the linebacker out of Virginia Tech who was just a, a big pup at that point and uh, talk about a lot of development needed for that 2018 class I think the Bills are probably pretty happy 
about how those players, those first rounders are developing right now. But Tredavious White in 2019, it was Ed Oliver was the first pick. And then in 2020, again, another defensive lineman was the first selection. Didn't have a first rounder, but a lot of people had a first round grade for A.J. Epinesa, the defensive end out of Iowa. So looking at that defense, is it stacking up to be one of, if not the best defensive units in the NFL with all the resources put there? It's clear that that was the plan all along. It's like, look, we want to have, obviously people want to put up, put up points. And they went and traded a first-round pick for Stephon Diggs to give Josh Allen a little bit of help on offense. But all these first-round picks on defensive players, that is clearly where the franchise has wanted to go from the start. We talked about the vision of uh, the roster building there and what they've wanted to put together as a foundation. Two questions here. How good can the Buffalo Bills defense be in 2020? And what's the role going to be for Epinesa? Is he going to be an edge guy or maybe work inside a little bit? That's a good question, Brian. And and I think the first thing I want to say here is um, I think as we're into, I guess, entering year four, <laughs> as crazy as that sounds of Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, we can kind of take a look back and get some clues as to what the plan was. And one thing that I can really appreciate is that they didn't put developing players around a developing quarterback, right? If you look at Josh Allen, it's veterans everywhere. And that's what gives me a little bit of concern about Denver and Drew Locke and you've got a developing quarterback around a ton of developing young weapons and I know we don't want to go down a rabbit hole with with Denver but I really appreciate that about the Bills is that it's Josh Allen and it's known players all around him outside of maybe the, the running back situation but that's probably the one spot where you're okay with that but offensive line receivers uh, you know veterans everywhere um, great point by the way I had never thought of that. that's a great point well, you got it's hard. Who do you blame, Matt? Right? Like you got to isolate the variable. All right. We've right. got we got the <laughs> players that know what they're doing for the for the quarterback. Um uh, and so yeah, it's felt like the the plan was to use premium draft capital outside of a quarterback on defensive players and and my goodness, they've hit on them, right? Trey White in the first round of 2017's become one of the best corners in the game. Uh Tremaine Edmonds, I mean he's 22 years old right now with uh two seasons of starting uh starting experience under his belt and he was a pro bowler last year. He's a high level player with a ton of tools. And then of course, Ed Oliver, who really turned it on on the defensive line last year. And so they've, they've sprinkled in some other steals in the draft. You look at Matt Milano, who's become a great matchup linebacker for them. Uh, the Thomas Davis, if you will, for this bill's defense, if you draw the parallels to, to Carolina, uh, they've had some big time free agent signings. And of course, in the secondary with Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, uh, those guys were secured in year one of of this uh, Sean McDermott run, and of course, a whole lot of depth on the defensive line. And so we we've seen McDermott's defenses be very good with the Bills. They've been top three each of the last two seasons, and so I have no reason to believe that there's going to be a uh, a, a decline next year when it comes to this Bills defense. Because number one, I think they have the most depth they've ever had up front on their on their defensive line. And they've never had this much depth. Uh, you mentioned they drafted A.J. Epinesa in the second round. That was after they signed Mario Addison, Vernon Butler, and Quentin Jefferson uh, to add to Ed Oliver, Starla Tulele, Trent Murphy, and Jerry Hughes. I mean, there is a ton of depth on that front, uh, on the defensive line. They they want to rotate guys in and out. They're going to have fresh, fresh bodies all the time uh, that have a lot of talent. And so for A.J. Epinesa, their first pick, uh, obviously in the second round, um, because they traded their first for, for Stefan Diggs, AJ Epinesa, there's no real pressure for him to come in and do anything right away. I think for him, he can, he can, they, they, they think he's a left end, a, a base end type player, uh, that can rush, uh, from the interior. And so I think he'll get 25, 30% of the snaps and have a chance to do that 
uh, among a very deep and talented uh, group. One thing that I'll say about the, the Bills in, in, in sustaining defensive success, which is very difficult to do in the NFL, the reasons why I think it continued to, can, to be a top le- unit is obviously continuity, coaching, talent, but nothing that they do is fluky or anything that's not sustainable. Like you look at the Bears defense in, in 2018, that, that was a great unit, but I mean, you're not going to score seven defensive touchdowns every year and have that many turnovers, right? There's a little bit fluky involved there. The Bills, you, you, you hear opposing coaches and quarterbacks talk about facing this defense all the time. It's not that they do anything that is is um, it has never been done before. It's not like this crazy exotic scheme that's just impossible to game plan for. They're just sound football players that all want to be one eleventh of the defense and do their job and do it well. And they do some good things in terms of disguising uh, coverage with their safety. But for the most part, it's just a bunch of fundamentally sound football players doing their job. And when you have that and you're not reliant on, uh, you, you know, exotic looks and schemes and you, you got lucky with a bunch of sacks or turnovers one year, I think your likelihood and possibility of, of sustaining that success um, is greater. And I think that's exactly what you have with the bills. Another thing dawned on me while you were talking there, too, is their D-line is almost set up like their O-line, where there's not a star, there's not a Hall of Famer in the group right now, but they might have more big people that could play quality snaps when you combine both lines of scrimmage than any team in the league. There's a lot of them, and those guys are a shortage. That's really interesting to me, but I did want to talk a little bit of star power on defense. I think, you know, White has finally gotten the recognition he deserves as a top corner, I think Tremaine Edmonds is going to be the next great elite linebacker. And I also think, I don't understand why Poyer and Hyde don't get recognized as an elite safety tandem. <laughs> You've got it. Yeah, no, those guys. And if I talk, you know, we do these crossover episodes on Wednesdays during the season, and I get the question all the time uh, from opposing hosts. And they, they say, well, you know, what, what makes this defense so good? And I, I talk about fundamentally sound. I talk about talent, but I, I think – in a lot of ways, that safety duo of Poyer and, and Hyde make this defense go, and it, it does stem from their ability to disguise uh, coverages late into the snap, right? That's something yeah. even Tom Brady has talked about is like, I don't know what coverage they're in until, you know, too long, and, and, and it takes away your ability to get pre-snap reads, and it takes away your ability to anticipate leverage and, and those types of things because they don't they don't show until they absolutely have to and, and they're so fundamentally sound they take away uh, uh big plays and and I think you know it's just one of those deals where if you're gonna score points in the bills it's gonna be because you stack play after play after play after play you have to earn it and, and mm-hmm. I and that's hard right in the NFL like, really hard you, you don't just put 10 11 12 good plays in a row together and, and the bills make you earn that and, and so the the exciting thing is now You've got so many guys that are really talented, first-round picks everywhere on this defense, but they're all now kind of going into that uh, that fourth year with Les- Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott. And so you have continuity, you have talent, you have discipline, and you got guys, guys that love playing with each other. And, and that's part of what Sean McDermott's done is he's he's created this culture and this, this environment of, of these guys love each other. And I think when you care so much about the guys around you, you want to be the best version of yourself. You're not letting guys down. And uh, there's so much accountability for assignments and stuff. And and it's just it's exciting to think about where it can go. Uh, but obviously, you, you got to continue to go out there and do it and earn it. And nobody's just going to uh, say the Bills get to be a top five defense again. They got to go do it. But there's a lot of reason to believe they can. Joe, I want to flip back to the offensive side of the ball really quick because the fantasy football community will be mad if we had you on the show. And I didn't ask you this question. 
the Bills have spent day two picks on running backs the last two years. Devin Singletary in 2019, Zach Moss this April. You have TJ Yeldon in the mix. What do you expect to be the running back usage in Buffalo? Yeah, I feel like I have a pretty good read on this. Um, since Brian Dable became the offensive coordinator in 2018, the Bills have been a, a two-back system. And in fact, after the Bills lost to the Texans in the playoffs this past year, uh, when people were disappointed that Devin Singletary didn't get more touches and Frank Gore was getting some carries, Sean McDermott actually said, it's not good for one back to do everything. We want two backs that work together uh, uh, you know, as part of the rushing attack. And so I think that's what you're going to see. Um, in, in 2018, the Bills under Brian Dable, they had LaShawn McCoy and Chris Ivory. LaShawn McCoy had about 190 touches, and Chris Ivory had uh, just shy of 130, but he missed three games. Last year, Devin Singletary had 180, 180 touches. Frank Gore had 179. I think from day one, Frank Gore or Zach Moss fills into that Frank Gore role. And let me let me give you a number here that I think is very interesting. Devin Singletary last year had 151 carries. And only, I think, something like 5% of those rushes came against eight-plus defenders in the box. You know, he feasted on light boxes. And that really stems from the Bills being an 11-personnel-heavy offense. From weeks 11 through 17 last year, the Bills were in 11-personnel 80% of the time. That is the wow. foundation of what they want to do moving forward, and that's Diggs, Brown, Beasley, right? That's that is the offense. Uh, conversely, Frank Gore faced eight plus defenders in the box on an NFL like thirty-five uh, percent of the time, and that was like top five in the NFL. Where Devin Singletary had the lowest percentage of carries in the NFL against eight-man boxes. So immediately, Zach Moss becomes that downhill back that Frank Gore was for this football team last year, uh, and so I think you're going to see those guys both get well over 150 touches, and, and the Bills will be a split backfield, maybe like a, a 60-40 type thing. I guess we have time for one more quick question about the draft. Since you are a draft dude, Joe, how much work have you done on the 2021 draft? Can you give me maybe a couple names at the top that you're really excited to watch here in the 2020 college season when it does get going? Yeah, so I'm two and a half weeks into to draft work, and and I've focused, I've concentrated heavily on the uh, the ACC and the AAC uh, to this point. So uh, everybody knows about Trevor Lawrence. He's as good as you think he is. Um, and one one thing I'll say about Trevor Lawrence that I really appreciate about him, and this may sound like an elementary point, but there's naturally going to be discussions about comparing Trevor Lawrence to Joe Burrow because they're probably going to be you know number one picks back to back years, and Joe Burrow was. I mean, tremendous in terms of accuracy and uh, ability to handle pressure and, and, and decision making, and you see really high level stuff from Trevor Lawrence, but you, you you don't you don't think it's quite on the level of of Joe Burrow in those areas. To which I would remind you that Joe Burrow was 23 years old when we watched him play f- football last year. We're watching Trevor Lawrence; he's been 18, 19 years old, you know. And so to wow. think about the the superior physical traits, I mean, he turned 19 in December last year. You know, it's a big we, deal. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. Twenty in December last year, so it was eighteen as a freshman. Okay. Nineteen. Yeah. So he, he turned twenty. So we've we. I mean, almost every game you've ever seen Trevor Lawrence play, he's been a teenager. And so to think about where he's going to be at twenty three, I mean, there's nothing that he doesn't have in terms of physical traits that uh, I think are are pretty exciting. I'll give you a name, maybe that that people don't know or not as quite as household. I, I watched Quin- Quincy Roche. He's a um he's a transfer. He transferred from Temple to Miami this year. And um, I, I think he's going to be, I think he's got a chance to be a first round player, maybe even top 50. He's only 235 pounds, but man, like 
His pass rushing skill set is so developed and evolved at this point. He can win inside. He can win outside. He's got the flexibility to you know corner the outside hit, but he can also go through guys with a really good bull rush and really good use of his hands to play with extension, keep his pads clear. And he he, I mean, he ran circles and he toyed with AAC offensive linemen. I can't wait to see him in the ACC. And if uh, if he continues his trajectory, I think you know you're going to see this Miami pass rush with Greg Rosau and, and Jalen Phillips plus now. Quincy Roche, and, and they're going to be a real problem. So Quincy Roche is your sleeper pass rusher here, too. I give you a new name here in, in, in June as we talk about the 2021 draft. And the other dude there, the guy you met, I forget his name off the top of my head, the 6'7 guy that looks like a condor. He's right. a Ro- yeah. Roche now, yeah. He might be a top five pick from what I've seen. Yeah, he's like 6'7", 250. I think he had 15 and a half sacks last year. Like You watch him, and it's like you know that he hasn't fleshed out his full skill set, right? He's still learning how to apply his traits. Yeah, he's going to be special. And yeah, top five. I mean, he could be that guy this year. That is Joe Marino. Find him on Twitter at the Joe Marino. You can hear him daily hosting the Locked on Bills podcast and the Draft Dudes podcast, along with Kyle Krabs and a great group of folks over at thedraftnetwork.com. I'm pumped to get started on that 2021 draft work. It's always draft season, Joe. Always a pleasure chatting with you. Really appreciate the fine information. It's hard for me not to ask you to come on the show often because you're so good. So uh, I'm going to try hard not to have you on too often, but we're going to utilize you as much as we can throughout the 2020 season. Thanks, Matt. Brian, appreciate you guys. Always a good time talking ball with you. Thanks again to Joe. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Be back tomorrow. It's Twitter Thursday. Find me at BD Peacock on Twitter. Tag Matt at WilliamsonNFL. We'll answer all your questions right here tomorrow. Locked on NFL.